Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. When I watch college students be stunned at the bigotry at their university, I've asked a a basic question. They didn't know? When students at Cal Berkeley go to Cal Berkeley, why are they surprised to find anti-Semitism at their college? They didn't know that the left was lousy with Jew haters? They didn't know that DEI was bigotry? They didn't know that the people they claimed were their fellow travelers hated them? How did we know and they not know? Well, let's take it and maybe expand it out just a little bit. How is it possible that we could have members of Congress who say things like this. This is Representative Pramila Jayapal speaking to CNN's Dana Bash. With respect, I was just asking about the, the women and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm-hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. The outrages against Hamas. Why are you making it about Palestinians? Why are you trying to cre- create some level of, well, we can't be too angry about it? What a weird Weird thing. And then to hear members of Congress, as Representative Lois Frankel is answering questions uh, from CNN, uh, Cable Dan, I, I, I won't condemn her. If one of our soldiers, an American soldier or even an Israeli soldier, used rape as a tool of war, they would be prosecuted in their own, in their own country. And it has to be, as I said, legally politically and culturally unacceptable and i'd like to see uh, everybody at, the, at all these rallies around the world uh, i have no uh, i have no problem with people being sympathetic and i'm sympathetic to uh, the inhumanity uh, and the need for humanitarian support both in israel and in gaza but everybody should be saying enough is enough sexual assault is not acceptable but in your core in your gut it's not hard for you to say this very eloquently and very clearly. Oh. Why is it for others? Now, now you're asking me to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Or, you know what? They have to answer for themselves. It's your party that can't come out and say it is wrong to rape women. It's your party, Congresswoman. It is the people that you stand next to. Why is it that you can so clearly state that rape is wrong, which I'm pretty sure is an easy thing to state, but yet they can't? It's the same thing about these students on campus. You didn't know? Wait, you didn't know? 
You didn't know that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush and Ocasio-Cortez and Ayanna Presley and Jamal Bowman and Andre Carson were Jew-hating bigots and they hate Western civilization? They'll tear the mother down? You didn't know? Well, how is it possible you didn't know? And at this moment, I find myself trying to desperately grasp for some... Call it grace, call it whatever you will. Something to hold on to, some level of mooring. Because I believe that the not knowing in this instance is impossible. It is willful. And how am I supposed to sit back and feel anything other than, well, what did you think was going to happen? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. is the number. Um... With the uh, congressional Republicans, including the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, students were speaking, one from NYU and one from University of Pennsylvania. This was NYU student. Her name is Bella Bella Ingber, I-N-G-B-E-R, talking about what's happening on the NYU campus. Being a Jew at NYU is walking to class and passing torn and defaced posters of innocent hostages with the words occupier and murderer written across their faces. It is going to Bope's library to study and being interrupted by unauthorized protests where students and faculty call for a globalized intifada revolution, an incitement to violence against Jews everywhere, and a call for the annihilation of the Jewish state and my friends and family who live there. Being a Jew at NYU is being surrounded by students and faculty who support the murder and kidnapping of Jews because, after all, as they say, resistance is justified when people are occupied. My question for Bella, it's not that I don't feel for her. My question is, are you telling me you did not know that this is the way these people felt when you attended NYU? I am not condoning any single action by the NYU, the despicableness of their terrible students, the despicableness of their terrible professors, the pseudo-intellectualism of that they infect in students, and anybody who hires from NYU needs to think twice about such a thing. I'm asking a different question. How did you not know? The same can be said about this University of Pennsylvania student. His name is Eyal Yacobi, E-Y-A-L, talking about what's happening at the University of Pennsylvania. For the past three weeks inside Houston Hall, our student center, an anti-Semitic headquarters has been erected with signs spreading Hamas propaganda. The organizers, both pen-affiliated and not, were initially asked to leave as they are trespassing on campus property. Well, three weeks later, they are still sleeping there, and countless Jewish students have been harassed, yet the anti-Semitic dormitory remains. Clearly, both a disregard for school policies and permission to disregard them by a university unwilling to do anything. Not only are tensions palpable, but there have also been materialized actions taken to intimidate and harm students. A bomb threat against Hillel, a swastika spray painted, the Hillel and Chabad houses vandalized, a professor posting the armed wing of Hamas's logo on Facebook, 
a Jewish student accosted, Jews are Nazis, etched adjacent to Penn's Jewish fraternity house. Why doesn't the university hold the perpetrators of such acts accountable? Is the university fearful that they may offend those who wish to intimidate and harass their fellow students? Penn's ambivalence fuels a crisis that has shattered my academic sanctuary. Policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises. And let us be clear, if they fail Jewish students today, tomorrow they will fail the rest of us. He didn't know. And maybe that's the answer. He didn't know. She didn't know. I'm not, again, I, I will say to you, I'm not sure how that's possible, but let's now take it from that place. They didn't know that the university hates them. But now we know. So let us ask the question, what to do about a university that hates students? that absolutely breeds the concepts and pushes forth the desires and allows the bigotry to happen where certain students, based on the blood that runs through their veins, are in peril. What do we do about those places? Since, and I'm going to get into more of this, since uh, October 7th and the Hamas attack on Israel that murdered 1,200, over 1,200, I have been saying, on the first day I talked about what happened, and since then I've been talking about Western civilization. The desire to destroy Western civilization, the institutions as we know them that we are supposed to trust are wholly and completely untrustworthy, and that includes education, that includes higher education, and every university president within the sound of my voice, you've got a problem. You should get questioned, and your campus should get questioned, and with thoroughness. Every single time you allow this to happen, and we shouldn't think this is just relegated to NYU or University of Pennsylvania, One should ask whether or not their kid should go there. And one should ask whether or not funding should happen there. Now, this has been a really hot-button issue. You've seen certainly on the donation side, people say we're not going to give to this campus anymore. We're not giving. And good, whether it's Columbia or other places, this is all very, very good news. But if you have a group of students based on a characteristic, and remember, I don't like to think this way. I'm not a box-checking kind of guy, but all these progressives are. So if you have a group of people that is um, living in fear, that is being threatened, you have this entirety on campus, multiple campi, creating attacks, pushing for attacks, wanting attacks, creating the hostile environment, why should they get any federal funding whatsoever? Do you think I care if a couple of hundred of these universities go out of business? Who cares? Do you think the world stops if NYU doesn't exist anymore? Screw NYU. Screw NYU and everyone who works there. Blank them. I'm sorry. Am I not being completely and totally clear? F these people. I feel the same way about the University of Pennsylvania. The world needs the University of Pennsylvania? No, it doesn't. I live in Indiana. You know how many universities I can name that America can live without? Maybe then it'll stop.
I cannot stop the bigots from being bigots. But certainly we can have an argument on whether or not we fund the bigotry. But in order to do that, we must now get to the place of the basis, the baseline. The bigotry comes from the political left. It comes from their their haven of academia. It exists in the halls of Congress under their name. The political left's bigotry on full display. NYU, UPenn, Cal Berkeley, name your Indiana school, anywhere else you want to talk about. All from the political left, all from the so-called tolerant. These are the same people who will tell you how important DEI is, but DEI is not important. DEI is bigotry from beginning to end, always has been, always will be. And look at all the people who embraced it. They never once asked themselves, wait a second, what does this lead to? As a matter of fact, for asking that question, you were told you were terrible, you were horrible, you're a bigot, you're a racist, just for asking the question. You just had to accept, and if you didn't accept, well, you're all the terrible things. Well, now look at what all these things actually have done. It is one thing to see what's happening at this school and that school in the wake of what's happening in Israel and say, my gosh, this is sick, this is twisted. How many people feel this way? Then one must ask exactly how are these places funded by federal dollars? But most importantly, down to its roots, one must ask how this happens, how this takes place, how this exists. And the answer is, this is the political left in America. Cannot be denied. It cannot be argued. You could try. But just like John Galt explaining that the engine of the world has to be stopped, facts are the American left is built on this hatred. And if you want the end of the attack on Western civilization, you have to put an end to the political left's ability to wield power. That is the baseline. I'm Tony Katz. With the three related batch queries consisting of over, over 23,000 separate queries relating to the events of January 6th, were those evidence of a crime only queries, yes or no? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. The answer, what is, I can't, what, the answer is no. I, what I do I, know the answer. The answer what, is no. Were there 141 I, queries for the activists arrested in connection with the uh, George Floyd protests uh, here in Washington, D.C., evidence of a crime-only queries? Those were non-compliant queries. Uh, and again, they all predate the reforms that we've put in place, which, which before we... Which other reforms that ever, other FBI directors which, have told me about to, every darn year. If How about I may... 19,000 donors to a political campaign? The answer there is no. What about the query for a sitting member of Congress? The answer there is no. What about the query involving a U.S. senator, which for all we know could be any one of us? The answer is no. And so what, what does that tell me? Well, what I'm hearing and what these data points all point to is that a warrant requirement or prohibition relating 
to, quote unquote, evidence of a crime only queries would not have been uh, something that would have prevented any of the most egregious examples of the abuse that we've seen under Section 702. This is Senator Mike Lee speaking with uh, the FBI director, uh, Chris Ray. Section 702 is going to become the front and center subject because it is set to expire. This section of, of, I guess you'd call it the section of the FISA court. Right? Is, is, is that the way to, to look at it? The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act? It's set to expire. Now, Section 702 is about being able to record people from other countries and get an idea of what they're doing, which you could argue is the standard operation of, of a United States intelligence apparatus or any nation intelligence apparatus working to keep the nation safe. The problem is what happens when those people are speaking to an American citizen even has nothing to do with the possibility of an issue at play? What happens to the protections of American citizens? So does 702 allow for the recording of and the surveilling of American citizens? This is the, the, the grand conversation. We have seen over the last 23 years, post-September 11th, we have seen that things like the Patriot Act have not actually done us better. But we should not think that there isn't a need for these levels of surveillance. 702 would allow the government to collect emails, text messages, and phone calls of foreigners overseas, even when they're talking to Americans, the key here being without a warrant. When dealing with Americans, you absolutely need a warrant, and I would not favor anything but... People who are non-citizens do not have to be treated like citizens. The issue here is how many times does Section 702, the collection of this information, when speaking to American citizens, then that information of the, of the American citizen gets queried and looked for and utilized and shared, etc., etc., etc. That's the issue. So... The, uh, people like Andrew McCarthy, uh, former assistant uh, attorney uh, for the Southern District of New York, will tell you that there are an outrageous number of safeguards already in place to protect American citizens. But the argument, and I think that McCarthy would make this and Mike, Senator Mike Lee makes this, is the safeguards are predicated on the idea that the FBI is an institution one can trust. And what they have proven is, well, maybe, maybe not, maybe not all the time so trustworthy. So this is where it becomes a thing. So as we start discussing this, as they start working on this, because we're going to go over the story more than once, what is it that as an intelligence apparatus, as a nation, we want to be able to get information on. What levels of protections must American citizens have? Is there a place for some level of medium? And what does one do about the institution that is more interested in their desires than in the constitutional protections? 
We'll talk about it at TonyCats.com as well. This is Tony Katz today. Unfortunately, the Mexican drug cartels have that authority because they possess guns and weapons of war. But unfortunately, those weapons of war come from American manufacturers, not from Mexico or elsewhere. I have introduced a bill called the Disarming Cartels Act, which is designed to curb the exportation of weapons manufactured by American companies to the drug cartels, which fuels the fentanyl trade operation. There's not yet one Republican co-sponsor. I would urge my colleagues on the other side to recognize. Is this Congressman Dan Goldman, among all the other ridiculous things he says, is he blaming the fentanyl crisis on gun manufacturers in the U.S.? Because it sounds like, I don't want to get over my skis here, that he's blaming the uh, fentanyl crisis on U.S. manufacturers, gun manufacturers. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. The DeSantis camp is going nuts with this one. It's a New York Times story that states that Reed Hoffman who is a very large Democratic donor, R-E-I-D, Hoffman, he has made a major, major donation to Nikki Haley to the tune of $250,000. That's what was given to a super PAC. Internet entrepreneur, venture capitalist, podcaster, and author. I don't know the dude. I, congratulations to you. You just gave Nikki Haley $250,000 to her super PAC? Um, this. This is a thing. Now, I, I say this as a guy uh, who... Works uh, does a ton of work with an organization called Americans for Prosperity, and they came out and endorsed. And there's a reason why people on the ground were like, "What is what is this?" And the endorsement seems so weird to them. A, that's not usually where AFP plays. They pay in play in policy and things like that. And B, she she's not really you know this connection to the activist class to which they are on that side. Didn't make any sense. Things like this certainly don't help. And things like this are certainly going to be top conversations at the debate tomorrow. As we know, we have one day till the fourth debate. One day more, another day, another destiny, this never-ending road to Calvary. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time, one day more. It's always important to have a show tune ready to go. Les Miserables. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good. It's going to make you weepy. Um, Trump is just destroying in uh, these national polls. The morning consult poll, which was December 1st, December 3rd. Trump 66, DeSantis 13, Haley 10. 
The Trafalgar poll, which uh, was November 30th to December 2nd, uh, always right-leaning, Trump 54, DeSantis 17, Haley 16. That's nationally. Look to the local. Nothing has changed in Iowa. No new polling for a, a caucus that takes place next month. Trump 54, DeSantis 18, Haley 12, Ramaswamy 6, Chris Christie 3. Chris Christie made the debate stage, by the way. You needed 6% nationally, and uh, he had some polls to do that, specifically New Hampshire. In the last three polls, he polls at 9, 14, and 11 He's in third place in New Hampshire at 11.3. Trump at 45.7. Haley at 18.7. That's the real clear politics average. The last poll was the Washington Post Mammoth poll. Mammoth, always you want to take a, a grain of salt. 46, 18, 11. DeSantis coming in fifth place behind Ramaswamy's eight. Yeah, uh, DeSantis's path actually goes from Iowa to South Carolina, although a good showing in Iowa can help him in New Hampshire. No, I'm not betting any money on anybody to win. Just like I don't bet money on the idea that Trump is really ahead by these large numbers. No, I don't believe it. I'm telling you, I don't believe it. Because there's a difference when it comes to Iowa between what people say to a, a pollster and how they show up and actually caucus. New Hampshire and South Carolina being primary states are different, different methodology. And certainly one can argue that a good showing in Iowa can create opportunity and momentum. But as pointed out, over the last um, 12 elections, I think it was the last 12, 12 election cycles, uh, the person who has won Iowa has gone on to win the nomination seven times. The person who has won South Carolina has gone on to win the nomination 11 times out of 12. That's an interesting uh, bit of of data there. Uh, I think the the argument from the people of Iowa is we're not here to pick the nominee. We're here to, 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 to winnow the field. We're here to bring the field in. We're here to either set some people up for actually being candidates or take them out of the running. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But let's go back to what this does to Nikki Haley. You're taking, by the way, Reed Hoffman co-founded LinkedIn. That's, that's Reed Hoffman. I knew I knew the name. Um, $250,000 from, from a, 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 a Democrat is... Uh, is, is, is a very big deal. And it's a very big problem. If this is where you're getting money from, where exactly is your support in the party? Well, it wasn't to me. It was to a super PAC. With all due respect, could we not? Could we not? Could we clearly understand that um, this is going to be a problem, and it's how the audience is going to see it. Of course they're going to see it this way. And and rightfully so. 
This is bad stuff. If, if you want to argue that Nikki Haley isn't, you know, what, what's the expression going to be bought and paid for? Uh, this, this is a hard one. Oh, this hurts. And if I'm DeSantis, I'm all over it. But then again, am I really talking about Nikki Haley if I'm Ron DeSantis in this debate? And the answer is, no, I'm not. Now, I'm going to get into this more tomorrow. I'm going to dig in deep on uh, on uh, where I think everybody should be, depending on how this cold goes. Like it started yet. My kid had it. And, of course, I got it. So this is day two. I don't know if you can hear it. I can feel it. And I feel like I'm right on that place where my voice is going to be gone in an hour. Like, non-existent, gone. Like, I, it's, it's everything is kind of leading that place. And it could either go or it could stay. It's a 50-50. Um, Nikki Haley has to make her bid for why she's a better choice than Trump. As we discussed in the last debate, nobody went after Trump, nobody went after Biden. What was the point of all this? What the hell was this? What was the point of this debate? The whole thing didn't make any sense, dang it. Ron DeSantis didn't go after Trump or Biden. Chris Christie. I'm always told how Chris Christie is 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 the guy and he's he's going to talk the truth about uh Trump no 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 matter what. He didn't say anything. He didn't say boo. He didn't say a word. Well, it's now or never, right? It is now or never. You got to make a differentiation between yourself and, and, and Trump, yourself and Biden. This is what you have to do. And if, if, if you're not willing to do it now, if this last moment you're not willing to do this, what exactly are you doing? How exactly do you make a difference? How do you separate yourself out? You're not going to talk about why you're a better choice than Trump. You're not going to talk about why you'd be a better president than Biden. You're going to go after each other. Does it really help Nikki Haley to have some issue with Vivek Ramaswamy? Not at all. It doesn't mean anything. Does it really help Nikki Haley to go after Ron DeSantis or DeSantis to go after Haley? Not in the slightest. Remember what you're there for. Remember who it is you're running against. I honestly don't know if these people are smart enough to do it. It's a true story. I have no idea. If they've got what it takes to do this properly, I, w- I would love it. I don't think they've got it. So the debate will take place. I, I will break it all down in much more detail uh, tomorrow. But taking two hundred fifty thousand dollars for your super PAC from a Democratic donor—that's not what you were going for, Nikki Haley. That is, that is not what you want to see. I'm Tony Katz. Drag is not a crime. You know what? 
No, no one said it was. What the? What is going on? This is the ACLU of Indiana. And they wrote, drag is not a crime. No, wait, wait, there's more. There, there, there's more. They start with drag is not a crime, and then they say, drag is not a crime. They continue by saying, drag is not a crime, followed up by drag is not a crime. And then they come in with the big guns by saying, drag is not a crime. And they finish it up by saying, drag is not a crime. No, no, it's no, it's not. And no one ever said it was. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. However, I, I will note that if you are having sexually suggestive drag shows or any shows in front of children, that's weird and it's wrong. And parents and civil society should stand up against it. And so should you, ACLU. Do you see the difference? You write these things like somehow you're strong and you're tough. You're just weird. You come off like little children, like freaks. Our problem is you don't even work to protect kids. You should be allowed to have sexually suggestive drag shows in front of children. You're weird. That's all there is. You are weird. And you should be called weird. And parents should keep standing up. And adults should keep standing up. And we should notice the failure. The failure of groups like the ACLU to state, look, that something could happen doesn't mean something should happen. And these are children. And yes, we do have laws about decency, obscenity, etc. regarding kids. We do have rules about these things. There are rules. This is not Vietnam. Good gosh. Who knew you'd have to work so hard in society to just have people be normal? Who knew it would take so much? But then again, this is 2023. Who knew that in 2023, John Fetterman, the senator from Pennsylvania, would hire disgraced former Congressman George Santos, who got expelled from the House for ethics violations. Who knew that Fetterman would hire Santos on the website Cameo to make videos for Bob Menendez, the senator from New Jersey, who's accused of having $100,000 worth of gold in his safe, which is a bribe taken by Egypt and Egypt's subsidiaries to do their bidding. This happened. I guess George Santos is on Cameo now. Cameo is where you can hire famous or quasi-famous people to make little videos, little vignettes for you, happy birthday greeting and all sorts of stuff. And some people make real money on it. The guy who played, what did he play, Kevin in in, in the office, the big guy, the big kind of uh, bumbling uh, doofus guy. Uh, I forget forget his name, character name. That guy makes what? Kevin Malone, right? Did I get it right? Do I have it right? Okay. That guy makes a million a year on on Cameo. A million. That's pretty impressive stuff. Good for him. So Santos is on this. And John Fetterman, 
who has accused Robert Menendez, the senator from New Jersey, Democrat, of being the senator for Egypt, not New Jersey. Fetterman paid Santos to make this recording. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. That's a real thing that happens. That is not a deep fake. There is no AI that could have... If you had asked AI, hey, what would you do if John Fetterman asked George Santos to create a message for Robert Menendez? AI would be like, we're out. We're going we're gonna to go to sleep now. Obviously, the world is not ready for us. Or we're not ready for the world, one or the other. That happens in real life, in real time. Holy crap. Uh, that said, I got to get on Cameo. No, no one's going to use me. No one's going to use me. We have thought about doing this a million times, myself and, and Fingers Malloy, who I do Eat, Drink, Smoke with. And, like, we would do um, specialized uh, cigar reviews. We'll do in-person cigar reviews for you. I just I just don't know what we would charge. By the way, Brian, th- that's his name, Brian Baumgartner. That's the name of the actor. Um, he he charges one hundred and ninety five dollars, I believe, and uh, he's making a million a year. What work for a living? Don't be ridiculous. That's madness. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.